0: I think we may see ourselves in a very different borrowing environment, and I think the positive side of that is, as long as you set yourself up for and properly manage the the choppiness along the way, is we're going to be presented with perhaps the greatest opportunity that we've had in our lifetime to create monumental wealth.
1: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Rust. Joining us today is Neil Timmons. Neil started early in his career as a real estate agent, becoming the number one REMAX agent in Iowa at 29. And then he moved from just solely focusing on his agent business to flipping, wholesaling, novating properties. Along the way, a lot of good cash wins, but consistent cash flow was missing from the equation. Neil then focused his efforts on commercial real estate and achieved financial freedom in short order. Neil, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to the show today. Damn, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. So I'm curious, maybe go back even before you became a realtor. I know you played football in college. What was the path like after college? Did you know you wanted to get into real estate? Did you fall into it? What's the journey like? Got out of college, went to University of Nebraska at Omaha,
0: came back here to Iowa, to Des Moines, and got my first job at Wells Fargo. Became a personal banker there, checking accounts, savings accounts, second mortgages,
1: yeah, is that, that
0: as boring that as I think it is? It's way boring. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You, you got it. The, the benefit there was I got a lot of, I didn't originate first mortgages, but I had a lot of a working relationships with folks who did originate first mortgages, big refinanced boom was taking place in that era. And so I was like the guy who did second mortgages for this call center out of Des Moines like 20 guys doing uh, doing refinances over the phone all day. So I got a big exposure to finance, so understanding first mortgages, which helped me when I eventually got into to real estate. So well, I was working on Most fire One day I was sitting around, my mom was like, you know what, all the kids are out of the house, all four of you, my boys, I gotta go do something now. I can't stay at home anymore. What should I do? And I thought about it for like 10 seconds. I was like, you know what, you should be a realtor. You'd be great at that. You love people, you love houses, you should do that. And she literally was like, okay, you know what, I'm gonna do that, you're totally right. She went, did it, had tremendous success. Her first year goes by, and her and I are talking. She tells me how much she makes. She makes twice as much as I did working at Wells Fargo. And I was like, wait a second here. <laughs> Time to make a change. And so that's what I did got into real estate. I was at Wells Fargo just under two years and went and joined joined a traditional brokerage, and that was my first step into the real estate industry.
1: What did you learn in your time working either at Wells Fargo and then at Remax in the single family stage before you started you know, branching out and doing wholesaling and all those different things and then eventually turning into commercial? But what skill yeah. sets did you pick up in that five year window that you've carried with you from t- forward to today?
0: Marketing in a big way, selling and team structure, building a team.
1: Flesh out the marketing one a little bit. Yeah. What specifically? Because I know there's a lot of folks that listen to this podcast that are interested. They're maybe doing their own real estate business or they're trying to get started. And marketing is a crucial piece of that.
0: Yeah, for me, it's direct response marketing. So, my first coach and mentor inside of a traditional real estate was all direct response, not branding, not really positioning. It's, you know, send them an offer and get them to respond to an offer, to raise their hand if they want to sell a home, really just get direct response marketing. And then that led me down a path of studying Dan Kennedy's work and then a whole bunch of folks in that realm. And while I don't, you know, I wouldn't say I major in it, if you will, but I a student of it so that, you know, when we bring something on or we do a marketing piece, there's, you know, the thoughts in the back of my mind to go, how does this line up? What kind of responses do we get?
1: Do you use direct response today in the commercial side? What's an example of that?
0: In its simplest form, an example would be you send a postcard to send a letter going, I want to buy your property. Call me back. You know, I want to buy property ABC, you know, whatever the story may be. Here's what, here are the benefits that I can give to you, right? I can buy it as is. I can buy it for cash. I can, whatever your benefits are, I can pick closing the day you want to close. I can help you facilitate it at 1031 and call me back. And so the direct response is there, you know, the only one option is not, you know, they don't formulate like, oh, that person is now top of mind, like a Goodyear blimp flying over head in the event I need to change my tires three years from now, right? I go get Goodyear tires. Do I want to sell my property or not? And if I do in the future, great. Maybe it becomes sticky. So I put it in the top drawer of the desk and maybe I'll call them back at some point in the future.
1: What avenues are you using direct response today? Is it solely for property acquisition? Are you using that? on the investor hunt as well.
0: Solely on the acquisition side. Yes. And solely on the acquisition side,
1: yep, when yep. you're going direct to seller, yep. are you doing notes, mailers uh, online? Probably. All yeah. of it.
0: Yeah. We tried it all. Yeah. From a, from a mailing standpoint, yes. Letters, postcards, notes, sticky notes on top of a letter, tried multiple things. Cause I was trying to testing to go, what gets a response? And I get asked, well, what's the best one? Well, the best one is the one that lands in somebody's hand when the timing and circumstance are perfect. So it almost, in you know, my experience, is like as long as your message is clear and you you you, know, you can convey that. It's not too wordy. They all work.
1: So it's something that I get asked a lot by people who want to go down that path is, how do I know how much to spend? Direct oh, yeah. response marketing, you know, and they're worried, you know, I'm going to spend $10,000 and, you know, I do something wrong in my wording and I'm going to get sure. zero responses. How do you yeah. answer that question? When people come to you, like, you know, Neil, I want to get into this. I want to start fixing, flipping homes or wholesaling, whatever it is. What's your answer?
0: The, all right. So those are two different sides. So let's say on the commercial side or on, you know, the fix and flip side. On the... Yeah. yeah, the commercial side, Well, I'm I'm in Iowa, there's only so many commercial buildings that even exist in the whole state. So in my mind, my goal is to spend as much as I possibly can because there's always a return there. If you can get a response, if it is, you know what it is that you're after. So for other folks getting started, or you may not tend to be that aggressive, if you will, it's, you know, identify a budget, but you're gonna have to, a hundred probably doesn't move the needle. You're gonna have to send out, I don't know, 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 to get any level of, of real material response. Going back to the question, a uh, question you asked me earlier, you know, one of the skill sets that I was able to build on the house side is that I just, there's so many houses, I get so many at bats that you just get really good. You get really comfortable speaking with people, understanding how to ask those questions, how to answer those questions. And I, I think that would be a particularly challenging skill set to build if somebody's coming straight into commercial without already without possessing that skill set because the number of bats you get are not as significant that every deal is worth a whole 20 times more probably that makes sense
1: what are the kpis that you keep track of today i mean you're trying to reach out to if not all the commercial properties in iowa a vast percentage of them what are you paying the most attention to our response rate say you're going to mail it doesn't matter
0: what you're going to mail a thousand apartment (laughs) right owners it's you're gonna mail a thousand you great how many people actually call call back what what kind of response are we getting and then of those people that call back what percentage of them are actually interested in selling meaning they're not they didn't call you to tell you to get get me off your list right yeah. so what's the response there and then from there it's how many offers do we make and how many offers are accepted
1: what do you generally find, if you don't mind sharing, what your response rate is to just get to somebody who's theoretically interested? You may not close a deal with them, but they at least got yeah. to engaging with you to see if I might be willing to transact.
0: Yeah, it depends on the property type. I say that because you know, if you, if you had a shotgun approach, it's not that many. I mean, you could send out 100 a, a to 200 and you'll end up with you know 1% to 3% response rate. In terms of having that engagement but i'm not i'm suggesting that if you said i wanted 100 apartment units somewhere between 100 and 200 apartment units our response numbers would not look anywhere close to that i'm suggesting just a, a you know a shotgun approach we just said all, any and all commercial it doesn't take that much to get a response but the more granular the make it you make it right then more narrow that focus is the lower that response rate is going to be
1: and based on my personal experience which is somewhat yeah. limited with this type of marketing but i would guess that the larger community or yeah. complex that you're going after the lower your response rate is going sure. to be to where Absolutely. there's almost no return that's exactly right yes
0: you know and part of that is it's not just the dollars and cents it's not just the all of a sudden the fact it's 200 it's what those it's what both of those things mean and it typically means more sophisticated typically managerial structure in place in several cases versus you know if you just said i want to buy a $500,000 Commercial place, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. You know, a sixplex, well, a mom and pop runs that, but just a person does that. You know, oftentimes they're just doing it all. They don't have that structure. There's not tiered things. You're going to mail that. It's going to their personal house. Just a different recipient of that piece, and therefore they respond differently.
1: it's oh, interesting. Well, thanks for indulging me as we uh, went down yeah. that rabbit hole a little bit. I know that that's hot on people's mind, particularly as the environment is flipping to be maybe a little bit more acquisition friendly or people sure. are looking to retire. And a lot of times it is those mom and pop owners that are willing to entertain somebody who just reaches out to them and elicits some sort of response. You're exactly right. So we've talked about your evolution from Wells Fargo to real estate. Go into a little bit of detail on what got you interested in commercial real estate and, and how that change happened.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I spent years and years as a traditional real estate agent, selling houses or representing buyers and sellers. And then finally evolved into single family investing, fix and flip. Like you said, novation, just have done it all. Bunches of single family rentals, dozens and dozens of them. You know, I got to the point where I was finally going, all these single family rentals, I thought this would mean passive income and i learned the hard way. It's anything but passive. I mean, literally like anything that could go wrong in single family has gone wrong and they only go wrong in rental properties. Like nothing breaks in my own house. Some for some reason. Right. And so I got to a point where I was going, you know what? it's let me get my eyes open and figure out how to get done this to a path of freedom. How do I get time freedom and then money freedom? And I, I, I stumbled into a deal. My first property was a, it was a seller direct deal. Really small targeted list, bought an aplex, And then, you know, it's dented and scratched. You just needed everything. So put it all, tore it all apart, put it all back together, filled it up, refinanced it, did a traditional methodology in this. And cash flow is like a champ. And then I got another one. And then, you know, the next year I got a couple more. And just for me, I just became a very avid reader, a student of that business to continue to go down and down and down deeper down this rabbit hole, if you will, to expand my holdings and eventually get to a point where I passed quite a few and it just significantly overtook all the things I do in the single family world.
1: Yeah. And so what's your portfolio look like today? Industrial,
0: we've got several thousand square feet in industrial, retail, we've got medical office, traditional office, and then some small apartments, but not a a tremendous amount of holdings and apartments.
1: Lionshare share bookkeeping believes the key to generating wealth is understanding where it comes from and where it needs to go they provide bookkeeping and financial coaching exclusively to real estate investors focusing on cash flow strategy and action go to lionsharebookkeeping.com forward slash apartments to connect with them now Okay. Is that intentional or are you just chasing the areas where you found good success?
0: Yeah. Chasing areas. You know, for me, if I I liken this to the single family side, whether it was a house, a condo, a townhome, a piece of ground, if I can get my head wrapped around, is there value there? Yes or no. And can I make it go? Great. I'd buy it. Well, it's the same thing. And it has been true for me in commercial real estate is if we can make the numbers work and appropriately manage it via third party, we just make a go of it and, and get it to work. And, you know, a lot of people think there's so much, so many things are so very different between all those industries. Well, industrial office, medical office, 90 plus percent of those and retail for that matter, 90 plus percent of all those are identical yeah. when I'm buying these. I'm not developing. So therefore it becomes easier on the other on the back side to acquire and know exactly what it is. I'm getting in any one of those.
1: Where along that process did you start raising funds? I was browsing around on your website, Legacy Impact Partners. Obviously, you're soliciting funds now. What point along the way?
0: We've only raised funds a few, a little bit, but not a lot. It's a, it's really only been in the last year that we've taken any outside investors in for anything. And part of that is, you know, I just had such a significant track record and success and being able to, to roll dollars and cents forward to into projects and get it to go or get seller financing in some cases to make it go. And so I really put raising capital on the very back end of this process. As we start to, I say we, you know, I don't do anything myself at the team here as we continue to really as honed our skills in and, and identify the deal flow and the deal opportunities that we're really good at executing on and continue to raise the dollars in terms of, of the size of those deals. that fit in our sweet spot for what we do.
1: And you mentioned Iowa quite a bit. You live in Iowa. Mm-hmm. You're primarily focused just on Iowa. Is it kind of your goal to go a mile deep and an inch wide, so to speak, at least geographically? Yeah. For, for myself, yes. I do buy in
0: other locations with a partner. So I work with partners, that is. So if I got a partner leading the deal in other locations, so they know the market, they know the area, I let them lead that charge. And then I then I come on the backside of that. But we're not one. My team is not one to go off and study or or hone in other markets. We've had so much success, you know, being born and raised here, knowing this area, leveraging the relationships that we've had in the area for literally decades. So you're right. Mile deep inch wide. That's fantastic.
1: I'm curious about your debt strategy. You've mentioned seller financing, which is an awesome way to get some of these businesses done. If we throw out the last six months and just look at 2021 and before that, the last five years have been a really great time to be financing yeah. commercial property of all different types. But now, including the last six months, it's gotten significantly more challenging. How did you prepare for what we're seeing in the capital markets today? And how did you think about the type of leverage that you were putting on your deals, how much leverage, recourse, non recourse, et cetera, et cetera? Walk us through the decision tree, if you could.
0: Yeah. So, you know, looking back over the last few years, I've been talking about inflation since. December of 2019, I started growing a little more concerned about about inflation, about what's coming, and there's plenty of people who are like a decade ahead of me because you know we as a country have been printing money for quite some time. So you know what we're what we're experiencing is probably a long time coming. So what what started transpiring from that point forward was how long a fixed rate debt can we put in place. How can I my, stretch my AMs out when I need to shorten the AMs up if we get significant cash flow in some of our properties, which we do, and then move everything to 10 year fixed money on the commercial side? So that has been a big one. I have not, say I have not, I don't think we've taken any five year money on a debt side, just 10 year money. And literally, we graduate. There's plenty of banks that will not lend commercial community banks. There's plenty of banks that will not lend on a 10 year basis, 10 year fixed rates. And so we just, you know, find the ones that, A, will lend that way, and then, B, build relationships. You know, that's one of the things I've learned over the years is that there's there's plenty of banks out there, you know, just like Burger Kings, McDonald's, plenty of fast food places. That doesn't mean they're all for you. There's plenty of places that will sell a burger, right? But that doesn't mean they're all for you. You got to find a place on the community banking side that will build a relationship that there is not transaction-focused, because if the day comes where you need help or you need anything, you want to know somebody's going to be able there to navigate this with you. And is really a quote unquote partner in the process and not viewing this as a transaction, which the transaction based people, when I've been involved in transactions, thousands of them at this point on the house side, it's I win, you lose. That's not a relationship where you're going to come back and do another
1: one. It's such a huge part of the puzzle to find those people who will truly partner with you on the debt financing. That's in many cases, sixty to eighty percent of your overall capital stack behooves to find those people that'll be there for you when you need them.
0: That and I take what they say as input, as almost like an external consultant to us on the debt side. When you can find that and create that perfect, a really good partnership with somebody, their value add to you is the knowledge that they possess, the fact that they have been there. You know, I like the older guys; the people have been there a long time, been there, done that, so I can so I can learn from their wisdom and put those things into practice. And so that has been a tremendous value add is the people who not just, hey, we can structure it this way. It's you want to give thought to these things or here's what I saw in the 80s. That's representative of what we're experiencing today.
1: So you mentioned 10 year fixed. I assume is that 25 or 30 year am depending on which bank you're working with?
0: Yeah, we've never stretched anything out to 30, but we've done some things at 15 when we can get super aggressive when you buy a deal, right? 15, 20, 25, 20, 25 is pretty standard.
1: And I'm curious, you're dealing with several different types of assets all broadly in the commercial space, not a ton of apartments. What's the metric that you're looking at? You're like, if I can get my unlevered yield on cost to X, or if I can buy at X cap rates with this many bips of compression that I know I can achieve or expansion, if you will, by adding value. I know that all metrics are flawed. And that's something that you have to realize, sure. to realize as a real estate investor. But we usually have a favorite or two. I'm curious what yours are.
0: Cash on cash return. Double digits, cash on cash return.
1: And over what period of time? Like
0: First year, double digit on a levered basis at 75-25, so 25% down, double digit return.
1: I think we would all agree that those are very viable projects (laughs) when you can find that. Get them on long-term fixed rate debt, and man, you've got... An annuity with none of the downside of
0: an annuity, right? Yeah, going back to what I said earlier is, you know, we we've really delayed bringing any money in, and now you can, I think, you can get a sense of why because we're pretty picky about what deals we take on because I want to make sure they're absolute winners from the get go. I don't want to gamble. I want to you want to lock in a win, and so uncovering those as you go from both an off market standpoint, we spend a lot of time, energy, effort to cultivate deals off market. And then I say off market, what I mean by that is seller direct. And then also from the broker side, also off market, we haven't bought one deal. It's you no, know, I think back. we bought one deal. that was on market, but everything else has been off market, either seller direct or through a broker who's got a pocket listing and the deal never goes on market.
1: So what's the five-year goal for legacy impact partners? Where do you want to be in five years?
0: Our biggest goal is really to continue to do more, to continue to grow, you know, dollars and cents wise. You know, if we can hit $50 million in total assets, gross assets under management, if you will, that'd be tremendous. That said, the matrix are, we, we got to buy correctly. We got to get cashless away. So the top line is really out the window. It's really buying solid deals so that we get we achieve our return goals. What I think is coming through some, Really interesting or challenging times is potentially very similar to what we saw in the country in the, you know 1979 to about 1986 double digit inflation. You know the last time inflation was at this level, the ten year treasury traded at 12 to 14 a range in a year, where 310 day. And so I think we may see ourselves in a very different borrowing environment. And I think. The positive side of that is, as long as you set yourself up for and properly manage the, the choppiness along the way, is we're going to be presented with the, perhaps the greatest opportunity that we've had in our lifetime to create monumental wealth.
1: It doesn't come if you swing for the fences on every project, lever it up to the gills to okay. your living rate.
0: No, because the, the opportunities that come. Will come from what you just said, will come from the projects that get taken from the people who levered up and didn't make it through the choppiness. That's the unfortunate truth.
1: Fantastic. Well, Neil, as we get ready to close up here, what's a habit that you formed that's served you well and contributed to your success daily or weekly? Something that you do on a regular yeah. You know, I didn't put
0: it in until like two years ago, maybe a little about two years ago. It's working out. Six thirty, seven o'clock AM every day, somewhere in that range. Is workout. You know, I, I played football, and I think I got burnt out on working out as much as I did through through that era. That I'd always did light stuff along the way to stay, you know, somewhat, you know, in somewhat shape, but really started lifting some lifting, get a little more serious about it. And the benefit of that has been it allows me to take on more stress because there's an outlet for it, and so that's that's been terrific.
1: I gotta ask, as a former right tackle. What's your personal record on the bench
0: with 225? You know, my uh, 225 pounds? Yeah. Probably 10.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I showed up. I went to the University of Basketball. I showed up. I was like the smallest lineman. I, I'm 6'5 and I played at just under 300 pounds. I was like the smallest dude there. Every day, my freshman year, I got beat up, you know, the freshman play against the starting defense. So I was, the, I was like the beat up dummy guy every day. I just got beat up from this one dude, just a, a brute dude, all conference, everything. The next year he plays in the Super Bowl. That's what I had to go up with every day. It was uh, a tremendous amount of athletes there. I just happened. I don't know. They, they somehow still let me on the team, which was, which was kind of them. <laughs>
1: That's fantastic. Nothing better than a a bunch of farm boys at a Midwest school. There's some meat in the trenches there. Well, Neil, I really appreciate you taking the time. Really interesting stuff for our audience. If folks want to reach out, learn more about what you're doing in Iowa through Legacy Impact Partners and different programs that you have set up, how can they reach out and get in touch?
0: Yeah, you can do a couple of things. You know, and I'll I'll give you uh, one of the things I mentioned is we do a lot of off-market deals. I wrote this little piece, a little cheat sheet, uncovering off-market commercial deals, the who, the where, the how. If you want to get this, you can just get it on my website, legacyimpactpartners.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T. And you can connect with me there. The, the website's the best place. It has all my social links. You can, yeah, I'm I'm everywhere. So you can find me uh, certainly on Facebook and on, on LinkedIn as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you, Neil. Thank you to our audience for joining us. This is your host, Sam Rust, signing off.